welcome to the Palmwood Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Palmwood Church in Oviedo, Florida, where we love God extravagantly, love people with humility, and mentor others to do the same. Here's Pastor John with an introduction for this week's message. Thanks, David. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Palmwood Podcast. Today, we move to the next stanza of the historic Apostles' Creed, that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. It's been said that the doctrine of the virgin birth is an essential to our faith, and yet most American Christians today would have a hard time explaining why that is. In today's message, I hope to help give you that explanation. So our our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Some of you are going to say, why are we uh, celebrating the Christmas story this morning? And we'll explain that as we, we get through it. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary is greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And praise God, she responded that way. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. Conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. Born of the Virgin Mary. These are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. They must be taken together, which is why they are in the same statement in the Creed. When told by the angel that she had been chosen, Mary asks, 
How can this be, since I am a virgin? Listen carefully to Mary's, or to the angel's response. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High, of God, will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. She is a virgin. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon her, and the power of the Most High, God the Father, will overshadow her. Her child will be holy, the very Son of God himself. Let's pray together. Father, I have been praying all week long about this particular message because this is not an easy one to preach. And yet it's very important. And so, Father, now I surrender to you and I just ask that you will do what I am unable to do, that you will take the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my head and you will you will take them and you will use them by your Holy Spirit to communicate clearly in an understandable way this absolutely essential message that the creed uh, proclaims. That Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he was born of the Virgin. Oh, Holy Spirit, be our teacher, be our guide through this. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today, we get to what might be the heart of the Apostles' Creed. Many of the great creeds of the faith are written at least in part to defend and clarify this truth about the conception by the Holy Spirit and the virgin birth. And we'll talk more about that as we, as we go. Many people think that the virgin birth is kind of a peripheral doctrine. It's not all that important. And I'm here to tell you this morning, friends, don't you believe it. The virgin birth, the conception by the Holy Spirit and the virgin birth together is an absolute non-negotiable for the Christian faith. It is critical to everything that we believe. So much so that I will tell you right now at the beginning of the message, if we throw out the virgin birth, we do not have the Christian faith. It's that important. And I hope today I'll be able to explain why. There are several practical and theological considerations that we have to think through. Um, I will just tell you that this is a very theological topic, and this sermon outline went through many versions before the one that we're presenting here this morning. And I, I'm, I'm trying my best to take something that is typically very difficult and challenging to understand and to make it easy to follow. And so I hope that, that we can do that today. I've really reduced it down to the key points so that we can really stay on on task. But what I want to say right at the very beginning is a practical consideration. 
If Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, then the Bible is thoroughly and completely unreliable and we can't trust it. And I mean exactly what I've just said. Let me see if I can explain it to you. Moses taught the virgin birth. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, as the first man and the first woman fall, as they, as they rebel against God and they, they choose to follow Satan, the, the tempter, and sin enters into humanity and ruins everything that God has planned, right on the heels of that, that's all in Genesis chapter 3, right in the middle of Genesis chapter 3, right in the middle of the story about the corruption of mankind, God says this to the serpent. Listen, Genesis 3, verses 14, 15. Cursed are you, talking to the serpent, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Listen to verse 15. And I will put enmity, hatred, between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. That's important. We're going to come to that. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And I explained this a few weeks ago, but I, I want to reiterate because it's really critical here. My professor in seminary, who was a Messianic rabbi, my Hebrew professor, Hebrew language professor, um, explained that this is the only place in all of ancient Hebrew literature where the word for seed or offspring is attributed to a woman and not a man. And, and theologians down through the ages have understood this is a reference right on the heels of the sin that plunged all of humanity into decay and death. Right on the heels of that, this is a statement at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 already looking to the solution, which must include the virgin birth. Moses taught the virgin birth. Isaiah taught the virgin birth. In fact, it's very blatant. Isaiah 7, verse 14. We use it during the Christmas story time, uh, Christmas uh, celebration. Over 700 years before Jesus was even born, Isaiah overtly proclaimed that the virgin would be with child and would bear a son. And his name would be called Emmanuel. We say Emmanuel, but Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jeremiah taught it. Jeremiah 31, verse 22. And admittedly, this one's a little bit more cryptic, but most commentators and scholars also believe that Jeremiah here is referring to the virgin birth. Matthew taught it. It's, it's blatantly in, in his account of the gospel. Luke taught it. It's blatantly in his account of the gospel. John taught it. It's, it's blatantly in his account of the incarnation in, in John chapter 1. Paul taught it in several places in his letters and very explicitly taught it in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Here's the point. If all these authors, spanning nearly 2,000 years of written history in our Bible, all believe it and teach it, then it's either true, which is what I believe, or one of two other things is going on here. They were deceived, which over 2,000 years, that's probably impossible. Or they were absolutely lying to us. 
And if either one of those options is what's going on, then we really cannot trust anything that they've written. And here's what that means, just to to make a reality of it. It means we can't trust Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy, all books of Moses. It means we can't trust the prophecy of Isaiah where we get the foundation of the messianic teaching that shows that Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. We can't trust uh, Jeremiah or Lamentations. He wrote both. We can't trust Matthew. We can't trust Luke or Acts because Luke wrote both of those things. We can't trust the Gospel of John or his letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John or Revelation. We can't trust Romans, 1st or 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and possibly even Hebrews because there's a lot of people who think that Paul also wrote the book of Hebrews. Friends, if the virgin birth is not true, then half of the Bible is unreliable and virtually all of the New Testament has to be taken into question. It's really a big deal. But there's more. There's even more critical theological implications that we have to pay attention to. If Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, then he was not the Son of God. Couldn't have been. If Jesus had a human father, then he was not the only begotten Son of God because he was begotten of a human father. This point rests firmly on everything we talked about two weeks ago on Palm Sunday. Jesus could not be the begotten Son of God if God were not his Father. I mean, it just makes sense. Jesus could not share the vital nature of God if God was not his Father. It just makes sense. And as we'll see, if Jesus were not God's Son with God's nature, then the rest of the points of this message also become very problematic. But because Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he was born of the Virgin, he is the Son of God and he accomplished all of God's purposes. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. Next, if Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a Virgin, There was no incarnation. There was no moment where God took on human flesh. The incarnation is the point in history where Jesus, the second person of our triune God, took on humanity fully, 100%. God became man. The ultimate revelation of God is found in the man, Jesus Christ. If Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin, God has not been revealed in Christ and Christ is a lying imposter because that's what he claimed about himself. He told Thomas, he who has seen me has seen the Father. But, but, because Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he was born of the virgin, he is the perfect union between God 
and humanity. And keep in mind that this union between God and humanity is one of the primary issues that drives the need for each of these ancient creeds. In one way or another, most of the great creeds of the Christian faith came about because of this debate that's been going on through ages. Some of the creeds were written to affirm the divinity of Jesus because people were teaching he was only a man. Some of the creeds were brought about to, to affirm the humanity of Jesus because they were teaching he was only God. Each of these creeds makes clear he is both God and man with human flesh. It's important. Third, <clears throat> if Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, then he was not free from sin. This is really critical. This goes back again to our Palm Sunday message. Part of having his heavenly Father's nature is that Jesus is free of sin. He was conceived not by a human father who had sin, but by the Holy Spirit who had no sin. If Jesus has a human father and mother, then he necessarily would have inherited the human sin nature, the human sin cycle. King David makes that abundantly clear that every human being is conceived in sin. He says this about himself even in uh, Psalm 51. Listen to Psalm 51 verses 1 through 11. David here puts to lyric this truth. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Listen, listen to verse 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, says King David. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Says it right out. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You, you teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me, says David, a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. The only way, friends, the only way that this generational curse of sin, this generational sin cycle can be broken is if Jesus had a divine father. It's the only way. He had to be sin-free to save us. Therefore, his father had to be sin-free. No human being could do that. But because Jesus was indeed conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, he was without sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Hebrews 4.15, 1 Peter 2.22, 1 John 3.5. They all attest that he was free of sin. Next, 
If Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin, then you and I have absolutely no hope of salvation. None. We aren't saved. As Paul would say, we are to be pitied more than everyone else. If Jesus had a human father and mother, then he could not redeem us. To redeem humanity, Jesus had to have a divine nature. He had to. To redeem humanity, Jesus had to be free from sin. To redeem humanity, Jesus had to be eternal. He had to be. There's no other way. None of these could be true if Jesus' parents were both human. But because Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, it is true. And he could take on the sins of the whole world and he could give us his righteousness. John 1 verse 29, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, 1 John 3 5 and 1 John 4 verse 10. Finally, If Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin, we have to question everything that God has done we call supernatural. All of it. If the single greatest miracle of all time is fake news, (laughs) then we dare not trust any of the miracles any of the signs, any of the wonders, any of the authority of God or the authority of Jesus or the authority of the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit conception of Jesus and the virgin birth are really a big deal. If we throw them out, we throw out everything. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Can you see why believing these things is so important? Can you see it? If these things are not true, the veracity, the the trustworthiness, the faithfulness of the whole Bible is called into question. If these things are not true, our Jesus is not the Son of God. If these things are not true, our Jesus has no dual nature. He's not the God-man. He's not 100% God and 100% human. That's all a lie. If these things are not true, our Jesus is not sin-free. If these things are not true, you and I have no hope, no hope of salvation whatsoever. It's a lie. It's a lie. And there is no trustworthy miracle in all of Scripture. None. But Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. And so our faith can be sure. Let's pray. Father, in this audience are likely people that are hearing some of these things for the first time and it's causing them to process. Oh, Holy Spirit, meet them in their processing and guide them to a full and beautiful understanding of the truth. In this audience, Father, there are probably people who um, 
maybe are checking out the church or have had some kind of religious experience but never really committed themselves to you and they're blown away now by what has just been said and they want to know if it's true. And Father, I pray, bring people into their lives where they can have good, solid dialogue and explain these things. Take them to the scriptures and by your Holy Spirit, fill them with the seeds of faith needed to not only accept these truths, but to surrender to Jesus. And Father, there's a whole lot of us that we've known this kind of an automatic pilot, but we've needed to be reminded, which is why we're focusing on this great creed. Stir in us excitement about this truth. Help us to understand how utterly foundational it is to everything in the Christian faith. And help us to have what we've called wheelbarrow faith in it that we don't just believe it in our heads, but it is such a deep conviction our very lives are walked out based on what we've said today. Holy Spirit, make these things real. Make them undeniable. Don't let us just this afternoon or tomorrow, go on our merry way and put them out of our minds. Stir us to our souls that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born of the Virgin, His mother Mary. We ask this in His victorious name. Thanks for joining us for the Palmwood Podcast. If you'd like more information about Palmwood Church and its ministry, see our website at palmwoodchurch.com. Have a blessed day.